Yes, hello again from Sustainability and Climate Change podcast. This is Suraj Bhatia. I have a special guest here with me today. I'm fortunate to be joined by uh, Saloni. Uh, she is an architect and a member of a real estate uh, development team in the Seattle area. So welcome, Saloni. Thank you, Suraj. Thanks for inviting me to your podcast. Okay, so Saloni, let's get right into it. But before that, uh, can you uh, give a, a quick background about yourself? Absolutely. Um, like you mentioned, you know, I started off in architecture, but my master's is in management. And so I, I was in design for 10 years and development over the last 20. I work for, I'm a vice president of development uh, for Urban Vision, uh, my oversee development strategy for our company. And uh, Urban Visions is a privately held company. We are, our assets are all based in Seattle. It was started by Greg Smith uh, about 20 years ago. Um, and we always say that we're not a prolific developer, but we are a very intentional developer focused on um, where development is headed in the future. Okay, perfect. So yes, on this whole issue of climate change and ESG, uh, there are I'm I'm quite familiar with uh, the impact on other industries, for instance, automobile or uh, oil and gas, uh, coal, etc. What I'm not, what I hope you will enlighten me and our listeners today, is the impact of this whole issue of ESG on real estate. Real estate is a big area, big emitter of carbon carbon dioxide. So I'd like to know what the impact is and how this whole uh, uh, thing about decarbonization is viewed uh, for real estate projects. Absolutely. You know, um, so ESG can sort of impact different areas of the real estate industry, right from the financial performance, um, you know, the profile of the assets um, and the overall sustainability of the properties over time. We all know that, you know, uh, about, at least let's talk about on the carbon emission side, um, you know that the real estate industry produces about 40% of carbon emissions. Um, the other influences also are on water, um, indoor air quality, um, and, you know, the whole uh, idea of also being able to blend the build environment with the natural environment. So there's all of these impacts that real estate, the built environment has out there. The, what, what ESG does is it sort of helps um, create a sense of responsibility and accountability towards how the built environment is, is impacting us both socially from a governance side and a whole lot of other areas. Um, and, and it is, you know, ESG is sort of, it transforms the real estate industry towards a more sustainable and responsible practices. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for that overview. So I'd like to know from the point of view of developers, how do you view the need for decarbonization? And I'd like to know if you can give us an estimate, what would be the approximate costs of making a building uh, carbon neutral? And is it possible? First of all, what is the, the price add for making a, if you're doing a new project? And also, is it feasible to retrofit older buildings to make them uh, carbon neutral or at least uh, reduce the amount of carbon? Uh, absolutely, that uh, that is a very regionally based question when you talk in terms of cost, because it is different from region to region. Uh, but I want to break it down on one thing. What is that is very important before we even dive into the cost side, Suraj. Um, 
it also comes down to where in order to decarbonize you know what is the source of energy is that is that the one that's the source of based of fossil fuels or is the hydrocarbon and that's a very critical distinction to make because sometimes you may want to decarbonize but your source of energy is or is fossil fuel based and you may not have a lot of options so i just want to make that distinction first and i say that without judgment we're all sort of in this together i'll give you a very clear specific example in the pacific northwest um where where seattle is based we are um we are hydrocarbon i mean sort of uh, we have hydroelectricity is a primary source and so we just by going all electric and not having gas as a source of fuel for our buildings you're already about 95 to 97% decarbonized mm-hmm. however the cost of going from say a gas based heating and cooling system to um an all electric as a good 10 10% to 15% on the HVAC cost mm-hmm. of upgrading and for a large scale project that could be a small amount of money for a large project but when you start breaking it down into smaller projects that takes that starts to become a more significant amount but the the good news here is at least in the in in Seattle we do have a very clear choice if financially viable that if you do go all electric and combine it with say some solar on-site solar and i'm not talking about offset that that we actually can already be completely operational carbon wise we can be completely fossil fuel free we can be decarbonized and you can build a building today that meets the 2050 goals of net zero in fact i would say we're developing 2 million square feet of our portfolio and 90% of it is already being developed meeting the 2050 goals of net zero operational mm-hmm. carbon but actually if you don't mind i want to sort of have another aspect of it. so there's three things that sort of will start to reduce our carbon footprint especially during and i want to say this is all about operational carbon not embodied carbon mm-hmm. so there is you know equipment can continue to get better um we can also look at you know the energy source is it you know is it uh hydroelectricity versus coal fuel so there's also that there's technology that can also monitor buildings but the number one influencer that if we don't change this none of this also it, it won't have an over overarching impact it's, it's human behavior one of the problems the biggest problems we have is is the leases that we write the leases that we write are all schedule based so even if you have the most efficient building you know we are still expected that the hvac equipment turn on at 6 in the morning or 7 in the morning and they shut down at 7 at night and now that we're especially now that we're living in a world of hybrid office um occupancy um you know these buildings are still wasting energy mm-hmm. and and it doesn't matter how efficient the systems get or how off fossil fuel that we get mm-hmm. this is a this is a very real issue that we're still going to be wasting energy that doesn't need to be wasted and why this is important is because we're living in a world of energy insecurity regardless of whether it's fossil fuel based or if it's clean energy There's energy insecurity there's not enough energy around and the biggest thing is there's transmission issues so even if you've got energy at one source the transmission lines aren't enough to provide for the growing need for this 
So our behavior to, of where lease land millions of square feet of commercial leases, <laughs> you know, that requires machine these systems to continue to run, that absolutely has to be it has to be occupancy based. Kind of like <laughs> lighting now have daylight sensors. <laughs> We've got to change this to an occupancy based HVAC <laughs> system, <laughs> and it's also set to a wider band. So human behavior has to adjust to the fact that it's okay if it's a little cold, or it isn't <laughs> quite, you know, the, uh, the nominal temperature. It's okay. Yes, yes. In in Japan, they uh, take this sort of thing very seriously. Uh, when you know, after the Fukushima disaster, uh, when there was a shortage of power in Japan, everyone voluntarily set their thermostats up to I don't know 80 degrees. Uh, and you know they were absolutely fine and contributing to it. And very soon there was a, there was a surplus of energy. So these things about human behavior and 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 conscientiousness can can go a long way. So that's yeah, that's yeah. a good. And, and then you know this is something that this has to be a big shift. And you know at some point if we don't shift if we don't shift regulations come into play. I think yeah. you know New York already has as you already know this well as Law 97 that is starting to regulate. And have financial consequences if you are not starting to upgrade. Now there is it's it's very rough on a lot of developers who would like to make the switch, you know, to clean energy or change the leasing uh, language structures around energy mm-hmm. usage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but legislation will will come down hard on all of us, and that's mm-hmm. why the sooner we change our behavior, our lease languages, you know, um, the better mm-hmm. off it will be. Mm-hmm. Now, now there's. The the certification, not the lead certification, but the well certification, does that take into account things of that sort that you're mentioning, to your knowledge? Um, I I don't want to overspeak about things I don't know too much about, but it it def it definitely does t- touch upon it. It it touch uh, well is actually focused around a holistic approach to human well-being, environmental well-being, and so. And it's an incredible, actually. We we actually love the well certification because it it it's, it has such a broad and um, and it's an outcome based system um, and certification. And as a part of that overall outcome, where it says environmental well being, human health and well being, it absolutely touches upon all of this, even from a systems perspective. Mm-hmm. And we absolutely go in for well certification. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Great. Yes, thank you. So, any final thoughts about, uh, or any comments about what the future of real estate looks like? Uh, I know you've already spoken about some of this stuff, uh, but if you have any final thoughts before we sign off, I would. I my final thoughts would be: I know we're all in a tough spot, and it's going to get rougher. And I say this to developers. I say this to users, citizens at large. That it is going to get harder before it gets better, especially from a built environment perspective. I would say, yes, despite being afraid and being overwhelmed, be curious. Learn about what's out there. Learn about, you know, where is where is technology innovation headed? You know, what is it that you can do that's even a drop in the ocean that makes a change? I love. It. I call it the Costco model. Not till Costco went organic. Organic was not prolific. And so, do your part. Just learn, even if you can't implement, learn because it begins with curiosity, which then gets rid of the fear of the unknown, and that's when adapt. That's when you can adapt、mm-hmm. and incorporate. 
Yes, perfect. On that note, thanks so much for your time today. This was a fascinating conversation. Uh, this is uh, Suraj Bhatia uh, signing off. Thanks for listening. Namaste.